0: I invite you to take your Bibles, if you will, and turn with me to the gospel according to Matthew. Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9 will begin at verse 35. Matthew chapter 9, beginning at verse 35, where Matthew writes. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, And proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to the disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, asked the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Then Jesus summoned his twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to cure every disease and every sickness. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Almighty God, we give you thanks for your holy word and for this privilege now of studying it together. And now, as I stand before these, your people, I pray that this would be your message and not my own. Through the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Our world is hurting today. There's so much pain in our world, there's hurt, there's anger. So much is going on in the lives of people. There's loneliness. Even though there may be crowds of people all around, so many people today are desperately lonely. They're suffering. Some are suffering from physical issues, others from family issues, emotional issues. There's so much that go on in the lives of the people. And there's hunger today. There's a a search for fulfillment, that, that desire to find what's missing in our lives. There's so much, when you look out of the crowd, there's so much going on in the lives of the people. We're at a transition point in the Gospel of Matthew. In Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, Jesus has been sharing that beautiful Sermon on the Mount, the teaching and the preaching of Jesus. Chapters 8 and 9, you have a collection of miracle stories, the amazing healings that Jesus would perform, the things that He would do to help those who were hurting, those who were struggling. And then in verse 10, there's the sending, the mission, chapter 10 rather, the sending, the, the mission of the church. And there's an intentional connection here that's easy to miss. There are a couple of bookends that when you see what Matthew is doing when he puts this gospel together, it's pretty incredible. So turn back in your Bibles to the end of chapter 4, verse 23. Matthew 4, verse 23. And listen carefully to what Matthew says. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. Then remember, 5, 6, and 7, we hear the teachings of Jesus that he just referred to. Chapters 8 and 9, we see the miracles and the taking care of the people. And then catch the other book in that we just read, Matthew 9, verse 35, and listen to how similar actually how almost verbatim Matthew is again when he says in chapter 9, verse 35, then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, curing every disease and every sickness. Jesus, teaching the people about this amazing love of God the healing of God, the grace of God, then demonstrating it by loving the people, healing their needs and their diseases and their sicknesses. And they were told that Jesus looks out at the crowd. One of the challenging things, I think, when we read the Scripture is we sometimes read it so fast that we move from one point to the other very quickly without pausing to experience the emotion, the feeling, To maybe see what Jesus was seeing. Matthew says that Jesus saw the crowds. I picture that as a moment of quiet. The crowds are there and Jesus is taking it all in. Looking at all the people that are there. And then he's filled with compassion for them. Because Jesus didn't simply see the crowds. He actually saw the people in the crowd he saw them by name, the individuals that were there, the things that were going on in their lives. One of the things that we learn about Jesus is that Jesus really does see the people He sees you, he sees me. He doesn't just see a person and a body, he sees you by name, he knows who you are and And he sees this crowd, he sees the people, and he's filled with compassion. We see that, for example, with the Samaritan woman at the well in John chapter 4. Remember the story of how Jesus goes into Samaria. There's this woman at the well. She's cast out by her own people. And yet what we see and what we hear is that Jesus sees her and loves her, has compassion for her. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is the story of Zacchaeus. He was a wee little man. And when we hear that, it's not only in stature. He was a wee little man in status. He was a chief tax collector, and you may remember Rome is occupying Israel at this time, so the tax collector is actually collecting taxes for the very government that's occupying our beloved land, for our captors, for our oppressors. And he was the chief tax collector. He was despised. He hears that Jesus is there in the town of Jericho and and he wants to see Jesus. Nobody is going to make their way for Zacchaeus to be able to get up front. Most people didn't care at all about Zacchaeus. So he goes and he finds a tree, climbs up in the tree so that he can get a glimpse of Jesus when he comes by. And what I love in the scripture is that Jesus sees Zacchaeus. Stops, calls him by name, invites him to come down out of the tree and says, I'm going to go to your house today. Once again, then Jesus is accused of This guy goes to the homes of sinners. He eats with tax collectors and sinners. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? Jesus saw the person and he loved the person. A colleague of mine was sharing one day, we were talking about some things and he was describing a person that he had worked with for quite some time. And he said, you know, the challenge with him is that he loves the crowds, but he hates the people. His point was, he loves being in front of a bunch of people. He doesn't want to have to deal with the people and their lives. That's the opposite of Jesus. Jesus was the kind who saw the crowds, but Matthew makes it clear he actually saw the people. Saw their hearts, saw their lives, and he loved them dearly. He saw their needs and... He pauses. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So he says to the disciples, pray to the Lord of the harvest, pray to the owner of the harvest, pray to God that he would send labors into his harvest to care for these people. N.T. Wright is a great biblical scholar that you've heard me mention before, and And N.T. Wright reminds us, he said, outside the Lord's Prayer itself, Jesus doesn't often tell his followers what to pray for, but this time he does. Go to the farmer, he says, and beg him to send workers to bring in the harvest. And as his followers pray that prayer, the answer comes back worryingly quickly. You are yourselves to be the answer to your own prayer. So you turn to page to chapter 10 verse 1 and immediately Jesus calls the disciples together, gives them the authority to go preach and teach and cure all the things that we've been watching Jesus do. The church is now called to go and do. It's a commissioning We learn from the Scripture what the church is really all about. A couple of weeks ago, we were looking at Pentecost. And in the story of Pentecost, we were talking about this is a God-sized mission. And with the power of the Holy Spirit, God gave us God-sized power to carry it out. This is kind of the commissioning that we see. Well, what are we to do with this mission and this power? And Matthew tells us so much in these few verses. First thing he said was that Jesus went to the cities. Told us in Matthew 4, tells us again in Matthew 9, Jesus went. And we're not told that Jesus said, make sure everybody knows Saturday night, 7 o'clock, come to me. This is where I'll be. And if you want to hear anything, you come to me. Jesus went to the people. He actually went to get involved in their lives. He didn't simply say, y'all come. He actually went to them. It's not to say that gathering together as the church is not important. Of course it is. I mean, we hear in Acts chapter 2 that following Pentecost, they would regularly devote themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread and prayers. Coming together is absolutely vital. In Hebrews, we're even reminded in Hebrews 10, 25, not to neglect meeting together as some people are known to do. But that meeting together as the body of Christ is critical. But what we also learn is not only do we join together, but then we're to go. Remember Matthew 28, verse 19, the Great Commission as Jesus is ascending. The first word he said is, now go therefore. Now that you know this, now that you've experienced this, go therefore. We're to go and make a difference in the lives of other people. And teaching the gospel, the good news, teaching the good news of the kingdom. For some reason we tend to be timid on teaching our faith, but Matthew constantly refers to it, Jesus constantly refers to it as good news. The word gospel means good news. We're not trying to go out and share with people hard news, although some of it may be difficult. But overall, it's good news that God loves us so much to give his only begotten son. It's good news that we are then come together and share the body and blood of Christ and be reminded of how much God loves us. And what we learn in the scripture is we're not just a crowd. He sees us. Jesus sees you and loves you. You, and that's amazingly good news. And then we're to go and tell this hurting world around us that Jesus loves every one of them and He sees every one of them. He sees their lives, their hearts, their individuality, their uniqueness, their stories. And He wants the good news for everyone. So the teaching, it's critical, this gospel. And then response to the teaching, he says, and then heal their sicknesses, cure their diseases, be with the people that are hurting. But it's based on the teaching. This is all in the name of and on behalf of Jesus Christ. The church is not some glorified civic organization that simply does good things. We do good things because it's a result of this good news of God. And it's in the name of and it's on behalf of God. And this desire then of the church to go out into the world is a response to where Jesus looks at us with compassion. He saw the crowds and he was moved with compassion. Chuck Swindoll says that, Others will not care how much we know until they know how much we care. Compassion. It's interesting sometimes how we judge people. We see what's going on and we think we understand and we make a judgment, but then we learn more about their lives. Changes the story. Stephen Covey the writer of The Habits of Highly Effective People, tells us as well a story where on a Sunday morning he was on a subway train in New York City It was kind of a quiet morning. People were reading the paper, just kind of looking aside, some reading a book. But it was a very peaceful trip on a Sunday morning, and all of a sudden, a father gets on with a couple of children, and the the children just start going wild, wreaking all kinds of havoc. The father, he sits down in a seat, and he just kind of puts his head down in his hands. He doesn't appear to be paying any attention to what his children are doing right now, and and so, with his eyes closed, he seems to be just sitting there resting while his kids are just disrupting this whole morning ride for everyone. And finally, Covey decides he needs to say something, and he says to the guy that's sitting there, Your children are wreaking all kinds of havoc here. They're misbehaving badly. Can you say or do something? And the man lifted up his head and rubbed his face for a moment and then said, I'm sorry. About an hour ago, their mother died, and we just left the hospital. I don't know what to think. And he looks at his kids, and he said, and obviously, I don't know how to handle it either. And Covey said, the whole paradigm shifted. Because now he didn't see two nuisance children and a man who was ignoring them but a family, a family going through an amazing crisis. And he looked at him, I am so sorry. Is there anything that that I can do? See, Jesus, when he looked out at the crowds, he saw the people and he saw the story, he heard the stories. And when the church goes out, our challenge is not simply to see the crowds and this one annoys me and that one's too loud, but to try to see the people, they have names, they have stories, they're unique. And Jesus had compassion and he said, I need you to go to them. I need you to go to them. See, Jesus was constantly filled with compassion and Matthew 14, if you turn over in your Bibles, you'll see the story of the feeding of the 5,000. And in Matthew 14, verse 13, this is what the scripture says. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. And when he went to shore, now Jesus had tried to get away on his own. But rather than being frustrated, when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion for them. Jesus was personally exhausted, but He saw the people. And He had compassion for them, and He cured their sick. And later, He fed them the loaves and the fish. You turn the chapter over to Matthew 15. You have another story, this time the feeding of the 4,000. And in verse 32, Matthew tells us, Then Jesus called His disciples, and He said, I have compassion for the crowd Because they've now been with me for three days, they have nothing to eat. And I do not want to send them away hungry, for they might faint on the way. Wow. Jesus didn't just see a crowd, he saw people. Remember then, finally in Matthew 20, verse 29, there are two blind men in Jericho. Matthew tells us in verse 29, As they were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed Him. There were two blind men sitting by the roadside. When they heard that Jesus was passing by, they shouted, Lord, have mercy on us, Son of David. And the crowd sternly ordered them to be quiet, but they shouted even more loudly, Have mercy on us, Lord, Son of David. And Jesus again stood still. And he saw them. He actually saw them. And he called them saying, what do you want me to do for you? And they said, Lord, let our eyes be opened. And verse 34, moved with compassion, Jesus touched their eyes. And immediately their sight followed. I love the scripture that we have today. It seems like such a short verse, but it's a bookend. We were told what Jesus did Then chapters 5, 6, 7. We hear the teachings 8 and 9. We see Jesus' compassion and miracles. And 10, we're then called to go and, and to be the church. We are the ones called to will see this hurt in our world and reach out to those who are suffering and those who are hurting and those who are lonely, those who are struggling. Because thanks be to God, He looked out and saw us and actually saw us. And when He did, He loved us enough to die for us, to give His body and His blood for us.